A new year with new debates emerging at the state house. Will education be a defining issue this election year? We'll hear from state lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. Plus the latest on impeachment and the race for president. As now former Mayor Pete Buttigieg looks to make waves in Iowa, while new mayors are sworn into office across the state, along with the youngest city county council in Indianapolis history. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is in Focus. We took action last night to stop a war. We did not take action to start a war. President Trump speaking Friday, talking about the military strike he ordered that took the life of a key Iranian general. A lot to talk about today as Congress returns to Washington amidst more debate over impeachment and these new tensions with Iran. We'll hear from Indiana lawmakers coming up. But we start this morning at the State House, where we're now just a day away from the start of this year's legislative session and a lot of issues involving education that could also become big issues in the race for governor. Our Kayla Sullivan spoke with Governor Holcomb and with Indiana lawmakers. You've said it's not going to be possible to do much in the upcoming session in regards to teacher pay. But with an election coming up, this seems <laughs> to be the main theme. Do you fear that that's going to be used I against you? I don't fear, no. Uh, we're going to do the right thing. We need to fix this systemically um, in a sustainable way. You do that with your budget. and. Um, we created a teacher compensation commission that said we're going to look at this after 200 plus years and we're going to get it right, finally, going forward. You're going to hear a whole lot about we can't give teachers raises because it's not sustainable. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, the dollars are there. It can be sustainable. It's a local decision because not every school corporation is the same. You don't want 150 people in Indianapolis determining what school salaries are in every school corporation in the state. It just, it's just not the right thing. $2.4 billion surplus. We can't give teachers a raise. A mere 5%. All right, so again, looking at the calendar here, tomorrow lawmakers return to work at the State House for the 2020 legislative session. Then next Tuesday, January 14th, Governor Holcomb delivers the State of the State address. Meantime, a lot happening on Capitol Hill, as we mentioned as well. Congress returns to work this week as well. The president delivers the State of the Union address February 4th, the day after the Iowa caucus, and potentially right in the midst of an impeachment trial. A lot of talk still about that and also about Iran. Indiana lawmakers reacting to the news overseas this week. The Pentagon confirming the president ordered the attack that killed an Iranian general and other military officials. A lot of talk about what could happen next, but we're also getting some reaction from here in Indiana. Senator Mike Braun calling the president's decision courageous. He says, Iran has been one of America's greatest enemies, and I'm proud that President Trump is protecting our country and our allies. Senator Todd Young said, I hope this strike will finally wake up the Ayatollah and the outlaw regime in Tehran, end the terror and focus on improving the lives of the Iranian people by embracing peace. But he also added, as the administration considers next steps, Congress must be involved in that debate. And Congressman Andre Carson said, I'm extremely concerned by this provocative action to target a senior Iranian military commander, which is another disastrous example of this administration's reckless foreign policy. In his words, he says, it will put Americans at risk. Here's more reaction now from the Hoosier State. I hope this leads to a de-escalation that the Iranians realize that the United States will defend our people, our citizens, as well as our allies, uh, not only in the Middle East, but around the world. Was Congress consulted? 
because the last time I checked, the power to go to war in the United States of America rests with Congress. If we have learned nothing else from the Middle East in the last 20 years, it's that taking out a bad guy is not a good idea unless you are ready for what comes next. Pete Buttigieg there on the campaign trail reacting to this week's news. He is, of course, now the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, focusing entirely on his campaign for president now. Today, we're also looking back at the positives and negatives of his legacy as mayor. Abby Philip has more from South Bend. Pete Buttigieg's city, South Bend, Indiana, is vibrant again. For many folks, that's a sign of sort of the, South, the beginning comeback of South Bend. The Studebaker plant that was once the heart of this Midwestern industrial town, now at the center of its comeback story. During Buttigieg's eight years as mayor, he not only led what he calls a turnaround city, but also deployed to Afghanistan, announced he's gay, and is now setting his sights on the White House. South Bend is back. His small town accomplishments, 3.7% unemployment, nearly $200 million in private investment downtown, a reinvigorated stadium, and tackling urban blight are a big part of his presidential campaign. Washington experience is not the only experience that matters. Then there's what's happening outside of downtown South Bend. I mean, they don't, 100% don't care about the community. They care about what's going on downtown. Tyree Bonds lost his brother, Eric Logan, killed by police this summer and sparking racial tensions across Buttigieg's city, now following him on the campaign trail. Like, why should you be the president if it doesn't, like, if you didn't do what you're talking about then? So let's be really clear. Most people in South Bend believe I did a good job. But his black supporters here feel their voices are being drowned out, literally. Who chose these people as the black leaders? This meeting ended in chaos, with city council member Sharon McBride, who supports Buttigieg, interrupted by protesters. I was born in the, raised in the hood. I love my city. This is personal for you. It's personal. So it's very hurtful, but, you know, I love what I do. Bonds was there, too. What he said was the truth. Who put them in a place to say they was our black leaders? Because they was not our black leaders. Those close to him say this summer's protests changed Buttigieg. I think that was absolutely a learning experience for Pete. I think that he welcomed um, and maybe needed if he's going to be if he's going to be the president of the United States. All right, on New Year's Day, Buttigieg posted this message saying, my responsibility as mayor has ended, but the responsibility of 2020 begins. This year, let us resolve to defeat this president, heal the nation, and bring on a new era. New Mayor James Mueller was sworn into office replacing Buttigieg there in South Bend earlier this week. A number of other Indiana cities welcoming new mayors this week. In fact, there are 50 new mayors across the state in local cities like Kokomo, Martinsville, Muncie, Noblesville, and Zionsville. I've worked most of my career in public service, and I'm really happy that starting today I get to work for my neighbors um, and, and bring all of that experience here for our town. Mayor Emily Styron was sworn in this week in Zionsville after she unseated the Republican incumbent Tim Hawk in November. It's a big win for Democrats in the suburbs of Indianapolis, but overall Republicans won a record 70 mayoral races across the state, including the race for mayor in Kokomo where we spoke with the new mayor, Tyler Moore, this week. The biggest issues have been 
public safety and the staffing levels of both police and fire. Mayor Moore also brought in a new police chief and a new fire chief. And there's also a new police chief in Indianapolis. Randall Taylor was named chief this past week. My thing really is with the community. So the difference is I'm going to really be out there. I'm going to have those difficult conversations, uh, but try to provide hope uh, to those who need it. Uh, but I'm planning on being at a lot of things. The announcement of the new chief came just a day before the mayor was sworn in for his second term in office. And to the best of my ability. Congratulations. Thank Good you. luck. Thank you, Jim. Mayor Hogsett sworn in for his second term on the first of the year, along with the new direction at IMPD. He's highlighting a $400 million infrastructure investment and a 2020 budget that funds more DPW maintenance work. Indianapolis Democrats now hold a commanding supermajority on the city county council after 11 new council members were sworn in this week. Many of them are under the age of 35. Our Mike Sullivan shows us how this influx of youth could impact local politics for years to come. I, Blake Johnson. I, Allison Jean Brown. I, Keith Potts. Are just a few parts of a whole. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. Turning a third of Indy City County Council millennial. Which means as a city, we recognize that young leaders have a powerful voice. Of all the city county councilors sworn in today. I, Jessica McCormick. Eight or 38 years old or younger. Taking people in a new direction is challenging. Go for the light. What does this mean for Indy? What do millennials think, care about? I don't think we're monolithic, but I, I do know it's environmental sustainability, it's, it's equity of opportunity and outcomes, it's social justice. When Blake Johnson and Brian Mowry got on the council, I, Brian Mowry, they used to be the youngest. It's really fulfilling to see so many young people now getting involved. Now they lead the influx, Maori as the minority leader. We bring a new set of ideas, a new voice. And this young, exciting group of counselors join us is going to help us move the needle, you know, help us think outside the box. Tackling issues that span all generations. That's looking at things like public safety. They want good schools, roads that they can travel on. Navigating the future will certainly be a challenge. This is a group of counselors who aren't just going to think about the next four years, but the next 40 for our city. Now it's on them. I, Krista Lee Carlino. To show us how. In Indianapolis, I'm Mike Sullivan, Fox 59 News. Right up next, the new year also means new laws here in Indiana and across the border in Illinois, where they've just legalized recreational marijuana. We'll tell you about that and about another new law impacting Indiana casinos. And guns in church after a shooting in Texas. We're hearing from an Indiana lawmaker who just made it easier for worshipers to bring a gun to protect themselves at churches here in Indiana. All right, let's bring in our panel now. Two former state lawmakers with us today, Democrat Marianne Sullivan, Republican Mike Murphy, and Abdul Hakim Shabazz, the editor and publisher of IndiePolitics.org. And Marianne, I'll start with you. You also served recently as IPS board president. How big an issue will teacher pay be this session, even though by all indications, it's not an issue that's going to see actual legislative action in a non-budget year? Yeah, I, th I think it's going to be a big issue, and I think it's going to be a big issue, rightly so. Um, however, I, I do agree that probably most significant action, the kind of action that's really going to make a difference for teachers long term and make a difference for our state is probably going to occur in the future, which does not mean there's not a lot of smaller ways that um, the legislators 
can lay the groundwork for some really good work to help move more dollars to teacher pay at the local level. Does it become, though, Mike, uh, a political concern, a political liability at all for, for the governor in an election year? Not really. He's, he's saying the right things. I mean, for the governor, he has to get through this session making zero mistakes because he's pretty popular right now. And why hurt your popularity by putting His up polling proposals? polling numbers have been very good. They're yeah. very good. So he's going to get through this. The, the word has gone out. This is going to be a small ball session. Talk about teacher pay all you want. It's the school boards who raise teachers' pay, not the legislature. You guys have both served in the legislature. How well does that work when the, when the word gets down that they want it to be a, a, a small or non-controversial <laughs> session? Something always pops up, right? Yes, right, right. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's great opportunity if people, um, advocates on education, are ready to seize them to seize the opportunities that are not necessarily uh, the expected. I think there's room for surprises, there's room for creative solutions, and I think that there would be a willingness by Republicans and by the governor to support those kinds of initiatives. How do you see this issue play? Uh, this is going to get caught up in a lot of politics, uh, because what's going to happen is even though the governor and the speaker and the Senate president all made a clear look, guys, it's not a budget year that it's not going to stop folks from getting up on the floor and offering up amendments saying, hey, we're going to take this much from the surplus for teacher pay or use this for teacher pay or close these tax cuts. Are they serious? No, they all just want you know photographs and put people on the record to vote because this is a political year and the whole House is up and half the Senate is up. And so we're going to see a lot of political gamesmanship on this teacher pay issue. What else do you see, uh, Mike, as the session gets underway? What else are you keeping? Well, there's always, year? every year, there's gambling, whether it's in the front of the, or the uh, chamber or in the back of the chamber, there's always talk about gambling. Gambling dominates every session to some degree, whether it's the money or wanting less taxes, less regulation. It's been a lot of expansion already just in yeah, the last but you, year. Yeah, but there's, you know, Terre Haute, we still have to get through Terre Haute. They passed a lot of last year to make it, you know, possible, but there could be some changes there. Um, you have to remember there's 150 egos, okay, in between two chambers. I remember Mitch Daniels' first year, he wanted to do everything by executive order. And then he said, okay, uh, we can do bills, but uh, no amendments. But when you have 150 egos, there's going to be a lot of turmoil and a lot of ideas that we may not even know about here today. What other issues do you see on the horizon? We also had Friday a bill introduced by uh, State Senator Ford dealing with uh, discrimination. Ron Colley's former guidance counselor was there. You've got that issue, which seems to continue to make headlines at the State House. Uh, what else do you see on the horizon this year? Um, on, on the education front, um, yeah, so I would hope that um, some of the things that have become part of the Red for Ed agenda do move forward. I think those are kind of low-hanging fruit. Um, I think that the hold harmless on iLearn, um, I would rather see that kind of become, we seem to do this a lot. And that's going to come right, up in yeah. committee Monday already. Right. Yeah. And, and so it, it seems to be a reoccurring theme that we yeah. switch these assessments. So why not just take care of it once and for all in some way that perhaps you just, you know, have a statute that every time you change the assessment, uh, there is some hold harmless clause or uh, a reset so of some sort. Revisited. So that it's not, right. you know, so it's not argument every time you come around because, um, you know, if the future looks like the past, we tend to like to change how right. we evaluate our kids. Yeah, that issue, uh, Bill's already been drafted on that Senate bill too yeah. that comes up uh, Monday. Anything else you're keeping an eye on? Keep bill? a major eye on health care. That is going to be sort of the, the mother of all uh, debates, and, and we're just starting. Whether it is things like surprise billing, where things like you know, whether hospitals have monopolies, you know, in certain areas, uh, whether it is things like you know people going after IU Health, saying that you no, know, they're supposed to be not for profit, but they had a billion dollars, you know, in profits last year. IU Health people say, well, we put that into our foundation to do to charitable work, but no, but healthcare is going to be a, a major issue uh, when lawmakers 
Like I said, come back starting Monday. All right, let's talk about the latest news now from Washington as well. As if things couldn't get more tense in the nation's capital, not only are we dealing with a looming impeachment trial, now also a potential conflict in the Middle East after the president ordered a military strike Thursday that's brought a lot of reaction, Mike, in the world of politics already. It's, uh, it's, I, you, you can't, well, first of all, we here at this table don't have the information to really judge one way or the right. other whether the president was, you know, made a good decision. I hope, I hope, I hope that he's thought through what is going to happen next, what the next two or three steps are. But what I'm worried about, and I hope we're all worried about, is Hoosiers who are in harm's way. We talk about the 82nd Airborne. The 38th Division has been in Kuwait now for six months, and you never know where they're going to ship them. But, you know, my friend Danielle Chrysler, who worked for Mitch Daniels, she's there as the XO of the 38th Division. They are definitely in harm's way, and I hope they all come home safely. And something else to think about, too, is uh, I thought it was interesting how history kind of repeats itself. Back in the late 90s, when Bill Clinton was going through his impeachment, uh, there was an issue uh, with Iraq, and the president fired cruise missiles. Everybody was kind of saying, look, oh, this is Wag the dog. He's just trying to you know, distract us from you know, his own problems at home. So I would not be surprised if you start hearing some of that pop up you know, with the president, with his own impeachment uh, situation looming. And obviously, with impeachment looming, such a divided time in the nation's capital right now. Definitely waiting to understand more about this action. Yeah. My confidence level is so low in his general abilities on foreign policy that um, I'm not encouraged. All right, we'll see what happens next. All right, let's talk about the race for president. Former Mayor Pete Buttigieg, among those who've been critical of the president. Buttigieg finishing the fourth quarter with some impressive fundraising figures, but he's still in fourth in many of the national polls. He'll be spending a lot of time in Iowa hoping for an impressive finish there. We also saw Julian Castro get out of the race this week. And we even saw Buttigieg go after Joe Biden a bit, saying he wouldn't want to have his son serving on the board of a foreign company. Here's how the Daily Beast wrote it up, saying, the Cold War between Biden and Buttigieg suddenly burns hot. With less than a month now, Abdul, until the Iowa caucus. Uh, like I said, no, now it's the problem where the rubber you know, hits the road. Probably the, this last set of you know, Democrats last, Democrats standing, is probably who we're going to see going forward into Iowa. Then you will see the next people drop off after Iowa. But I still don't think this will be decided for a while because I can use his situation where one person wins Iowa, one person wins New Hampshire, another one wins South Carolina, and another one wins Nevada. And there's still no no front runner here. And the person cheering the most on this is Donald Trump because these guys are all spending their time and energy and resources fighting each other while he sort of, you know, skates his own renomination. Well, we mentioned uh, the former mayor's fundraising figures. President Trump certainly raising even more money uh, than, than that. Uh, is there a possibility of a contested convention, do you think, this process could play out? And, and how much staying power do you think former Mayor Buttigieg has in this race? I think he's got staying power. I'm Team Pete all the way, <laughs> so we'll see how far all the way is. But um, I don't think that um, at this point you can really make those predictions very well. I think that there's so much that can happen, what's just happening right now in Washington. I mean, there, there's a lot of very uh, important um, ground to cover between now and when those decisions are made. But the problem with Team Pete is he's missing two of the major demographics you need to win the presidency. Uh, African Americans don't like Pete Buttigieg. Millennials don't like Pete Buttigieg. Those are two big demographics. In fact, the entire Democratic Party has become the only white people need apply, quite frankly. Well, there's an interesting article out, about millennials this week, too. That's right, and political. Uh, yeah. But they've knocked out Booker, pretty much. They've knocked out uh, Harris. They've knocked out uh, Castro. Yang can't get on the, on the uh, debate stage. 
And so you end up with a bunch of old white people are going to run against one of the old white people is probably going to run against another old white guy in the but, Republican but, 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 Party. But even then, though, Bob, in defense of that, you know, just because you're black does not excuse you for being a bad candidate. Cory Booker, well, true. Kamala Harris, and Elon Castro were all really bad candidates. And I've never been a big believer in affirmative action, particularly when it comes to picking a president. Well, a lot of times, <laughs> uh, obviously, in, in presidential politics, it comes down to uh, raising money. So we'll see, we'll see where it all goes from here, certainly. Up next this Sunday in Focus, guns in church and some new laws in the new year. We're talking about legal marijuana in a neighboring state and table games at Indiana casinos. Next. A new year means some new state laws are taking effect, including live table betting at Indiana casinos, which started earlier this week. Casinos in Anderson and Shelbyville have been hiring and training dealers for months now. And another big one across the border, legal recreational marijuana sales in Illinois. It's not just Illinois. Pot is now legal in three of the four states that border Indiana. Meantime, more talk about guns this week after a shooting in a Texas church last weekend, less than a year after Indiana made its own changes to state law. Legislation signed in April allows people to carry guns into all church services, even if there's a school or daycare on property, which previously had been a felony. I've had conversation with several different churches that have started to set up uh, security teams within their churches uh, as a result of the passage of the statute. The gunman in Texas was killed within six seconds by an armed member of the church's security team. The volunteer was a trained firearms instructor and killed the suspect with a single shot. And again, Indiana lawmakers back at work tomorrow for this year's session. Stick around. We're back to wrap things up right after this. Time for this week's winners and losers. Marianne. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Keith Graves is my winner on the um, Indianapolis City County Council and his Young Black Lives Matter t-shirt. Uh, important message. I look forward to seeing what he does. Um, my loser, I will say Charter Schools USA. They, um, I hope, are continuing to um, lose over the next week. Mike. Too early in the, in the year for a loser. My winner has to be Representative Ron Bacon for a great career, 10 or 12 years in the legislature, yeah. and it's going to be his last term. Abdul. My big winner, the 10-point coalition, Indianapolis murders were down by seven over last year, and those seven murders can be directly attributed to the neighborhoods of the 10-point coalition patrols. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us.